Welcome to the Nitty Gritty, where we challenge conventional thinking. Join us as we explore real life, real people, real stories, and how pushing back can make all the difference. Cam, we're going like numero uno right now. This is the first time I've ever done this. Dude, I'm excited. I... Are you good at editing? So like, because I say inappropriate things sometimes. Because I was just about to say, <laughs> but I don't want our wives to get mad at us. That probably won't. But be I am the best. a little rebellious. Should we start over again? We can edit. Yeah, that you just out. edit it. Because okay. you may like it down the road. You never know. <laughs> or we could put it on the B roll. Yeah. You know the bloopers. That would be really. That's actually a really good idea to I have some like funny bloopers at the end. Yep. Of everyone. That's why, like Joe Rogan. That's I don't know how he does the whole. Like, there's no editing. It's all live. And he just rolls with it. Huh. Did you know that? Do you know his is live? So on YouTube, on Facebook. I've always watched the videos. I've never noticed that. Yeah. I've never watched them live. So though. you can watch his podcast live. So huh. there's no editing, no not, whatever happens, happens. And so that's a little scary. That'd be a little bit scary for the guest. Okay. So something funny that I didn't realize that I did with you. Yeah. I was telling a buddy that I was coming, that I was going to do this and you were going to come on and I didn't even know, and I kept calling you Bam Bam. Really? He's like, do you call him Cam, or do you call him Bam Bam? And I was like, I thought you I called him Cam. I thought I called him Cam. And he's like, you keep referring to him as Bam Bam. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, That's awesome. it's like, I don't know if I do that so they know who I'm talking about, because right. maybe they know you better as Bam Bam. Right. Like, do people call you Bam Bam? Yeah. I think they only call me Bam Bam when they forget my name. Okay. Which is fine because I call everyone dude. Yeah. Or like bro. Oh. Like I'm so bad with names. The restaurant ruined me because I meet so many people and it's hard because you want to validate everybody. Yep. But, ugh, it's so, I'm really bad with oh. names. Ask Jenna. So if I meet someone, it's what's going on? <laughs> and if I don't say their name, my next line is, I'm so bad. This is my wife. And then I'll stop. And she knows if I say this is my wife, she knows she I don't in. know who I'm talking about. That's pretty so, clever though. And so she knows to step my in and say, do that for me. Hey, what's your name again? So like almost to make fun of me. Right. But we have the system because it happens all the time where I'll see someone. I'm really good at remembering their face. Right. Same but here. I don't have names to save my life. And so it's always like, Hey, this is my wife. And she's like, what's your name? <laughs> And that's, that's kind of like our way to make sure I get around not looking too stupid. Oh, it's hard. But um, We're all self-centered people, too. We love to hear our names, huh? We do. We like to hear our names. And we don't, you know, when we introduce ourselves, I think we're all guilty of not really listening to the other person's name. Oh, yeah. You know, because you're just worried about how you look and how you sound. And so, yeah, I'm trying to be better. But with the amount of people that I talk to, it's 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 hard. Yeah. But... ADHD doesn't help either. No, but what is, so what I want to do is just, I think you have so many fun stories. Obviously I have kind of a, an inside look right. into because we're brothers, how, how Bam Bam has become Bam Bam. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did marry sisters and so we did marry sisters that happens. Yeah. But what I wanted to do is maybe some people don't know like the whole story and right. it's kind of cool. Like you ended up in Arizona uh-huh. You were living in Provo, Heber, California kid, ended up in Arizona. I don't even remember what took you to Arizona. It was to expand that little marketing, that little lead generation company that I had with Andrew, my That's best friend. Right. Was that C&D? C&D marketing. That's yep. right. So we knocked doors to get just basic info and we sold that info to local insurance agents. Just So we basically got quotes for people and local agents would just pay us five to 10 bucks a lead. And they had like three or four times the closing ratio on our leads over the stuff they were buying. And so it actually went pretty good. So I moved to Arizona because we started getting a lot of requests for it there. And so, yeah, I moved down there to kind of expand on that. And with the warm weather. You guys like knocking doors and. Yeah, just recruit a team because I sold alarms for, what, nine years with Pinnacle. And so it was nothing new. And it's much easier to ask somebody there you know, birthday, their address and what kind of car they drive instead of trying to sell them a three-year contract. Not collecting. Agreement, excuse me. It's not an agreement. It's an agreement. It's just a dollar a day. It's not a contract. It's just an agreement. You just <laughs> want to put a sign in your yard. You'll be so, a mar- marketing house for yeah. us. And so, um, but with the warm weather down there, so I had been barbecuing just kind of for fun here in Utah. 
Were you doing smoking though? Like, yeah. Or were you just doing like the grill? Cause well, I, don't, just, I don't remember. I never really grilled. I never really cooked. So it, I saw it on TV. This was 2008 or nine. I always mix it up, but, um, I saw barbecue pitmasters on TV. It was the very first episode. I was, it was about this time of year. I was flipping through hockey playoff games. Okay. And some reason it just stuck with me and it looked really cool. And like I said, I don't cook, I don't grill, but I went to Lowe's that night. Here's another ADHD thing. Did you it's really? It's called impulsive, impulsivity. <laughs> so I went to Lowe's that night and bought a little $40 Brinkman bullet smoker. Like I you watched, ha- I still you watched one episode one, I and watched, you're like, I'm going to go buy a smoker. Yeah. Of course and you I did. was smoking ribs like two days later. And then my life took a dive after that. But, um, but yeah, so I was cooking in the backyard. Kind of took the winter off the next year because it's just hard to cook on those things in the wintertime here. But when I moved to Arizona, with the population and the warm weather, there's a much more established barbecue scene. And so I just kind of immersed myself and I couldn't really control it, which there's really only been one other thing. Well, two other things. My wife, one, that's right. And two was hockey when I was eight years old. So when I saw Wayne Gretzky play hockey on TV, it was a very similar story. First time I ever saw hockey on TV, I was out on roller skates, like my mom's disco like with the four wheels lace. and like the, the brake yeah. on the front. No, like leather white boots that went halfway <laughs> up my shins. I tacked a piece of drywall to a broomstick and was out there with a tennis ball, like obsessed. And then I ended up playing through college. And so, not that I went to college, but we can tell that story later. So barbecue was kind of the same thing. And so when I got down there, I bought a new smoker. One of the biggest lies I've ever told my wife was with that smoker. I don't know if you want to hear that story. Do you I'm, know that story? Th- like how much it costs? Yeah. I don't think I knew that story. I mean, yet. it's not a big deal now, yeah. but I mean, back then when, you know, the money isn't great. Yeah. There was a smoker that one of the guys on the show used and I wanted it. It was like 400 bucks. Okay. It was a Weber. Okay. Anyways, I'm like, honey, there's a Labor Day sale. It's $149. I have to get it today. <laughs> and she's like, fine. Anyway, after I won my first competition i told her how much it really cost after you paid it back so it worked out but it was a bold-faced lie so so yeah down there i got into the forums like you know online and started learning and i could cook a lot more down there because of how warm it was okay and so i started kind of loitering at this barbecue shop called barbecue island and i was there probably every day it's kind of like you in a golf for me now like it's my little hideout um Anyway, that turned into cooking in a little charity slash barbecue contest at a big Harley Davidson dealership in Mesa. Okay, so I have to ask: you go from forty dollars Lowe's ADHD purchase at night <laughs> right. to entering a competition for Harley Davidson? No, well, no, it was at a big Harley Davidson dealership. Okay, so this was for a, a Memorial Day by like a ride. Okay. So all the veterans, like there's supposed to be two or three hundred riders. Okay. So the deal was bring meat. We're gonna feed the riders, and then we're gonna judge the meat at the end. Had you ever done any type None, of competition before? Nothing. But what made I you cooked, think that you could do that? Well, I cook like crazy at home, like just for me, for friends, and I'm just, just kind of like, why not? Because I was kind of obsessed with the whole competition thing. I literally watched that Pitmasters season one. I guarantee you 30 times, 30, 30, let's see, nine episodes, 30 times a piece. And I would pause, write things down. I mean, I'd you're, look you're in the background. Taking notes. I'm taking notes. Anybody that knows me, notes are not something that I take ever. But I, I, I was, obs- I was obsessed. And so, anyways, I finished, long story short, it was 130 degrees on the asphalt that day. It okay. was pure hell. So, no bikers showed up. The ride got canceled because it's going to melt their tires. Right. And so we're all out there with tons of meat. We turn our stuff in. I get dead last. I'm like, oh, I guess I suck. But because none of them showed up and we all brought a ton of food, the, the promoter said, next weekend I have a pro competition that I'm promoting. Did you cook? What did you cook? I brisket? just cooked eight pork butts, just eight pork, pork shoulders. Yeah, pulled okay. pork. 
So he goes, I've got a pro competition next week um, in Holbrook, Arizona, which is up north. Okay. And about three of the guys from the TV show that I watched were going to be there. And so it's usually about 300 bucks to enter a contest. But he goes, I'm going to waive the entry fee for anybody that's here because you guys. It's kind of as a thank you. As a thank you and a, an apology because no writer showed up. Okay. So I was like, you know what? What the heck? Let's do it. And so I loaded up my wife's Murano with that one Weber smoker. No clue. Go to the cook meeting. Alone. Like, no alone, help. No just help, you. Just me. And, uh, you know, obviously I don't know anybody. But I've been selling stuff for years at that point. I'm not a shy person. And I think the best decision I made was in the cooks meeting before the contest. They asked, are there any new cooks there? And I had no problem. I just raised my hand up high. Yeah. And that was a good decision because everybody kind of rallied around me to kind of make sure I knew what I was doing. So, so have you have you found that, I mean, it kind of sounds like it, but the community, the barbecue community is like, I'm going to help you or like, I'm going to cut you down. Uh, I'm going to help you more than anything. Okay. Especially when you're new. Um, it's a really, really tight knit community, but that's not to say that they aren't competitive as hell. Yeah. I mean, it's like. If you even peek at somebody's area. Like, like during a competition? Yeah. Like people start spreading the word that you're, it's called shigging. Shigging? Yep. Shigging is like copying, like you're, you're hovering, trying to steal my secrets. So yeah, I mean, it's a very competitive kind of secretive, but it's also kind of a currency. Like I, because I worked for barbecue Island, so I'm skipping anyways, let, let, let's, let's rewind a second. So I go to Holbrook. Um, two of my favorite guys on that show were there. Okay. Luckily, there was a guy who had a smoker breakdown because his was a little bit more motorized. And he goes, you know what? I can't cook it, so I'm going to help you. So he didn't help me with any of the cook, but he helped me with, um, why can't I think of the word right now? Basically, just turn-ins. Like, this is how you build your box. Cause like presenting you, a plate? Pre presentation. That's the word I was looking for. Okay. So I'll help you with presentation. So... I cooked all the food all night by myself, didn't sleep. I, like, I laid down the back of the Murano, had a few drunk people walk into my camp because I was the rookie, so they put me out on the end. And uh, anyways, long story short, I finished first place in pork, which I only did two more times my whole, that whole next year and a half. That's a hard thing to do, to get a first place in any, any category. There's four categories, pork, ribs, chicken, and brisket. You went from last place... Yeah, to so, first place. And keep in mind that last place, that competition wasn't really a double blind judged, like sanctioned contest. It was kind of just a backyard contest. This okay. was the real deal. So I went, I, I took a first place in pork, a third place in chicken, and a fifth place overall. And I went home with 2,000 bucks. And I'm just like, this is the greatest thing ever. And so I got some big old trophies, went home. Um, told the wife, went back out two weeks later to Sedona for the same thing, same type of thing. Okay. I took first place in pork again. So again, that's second of three times. So I didn't do that again for another year. And then a third, I think in ribs and fifth overall and came home with and 1800 like, bucks again. I mean, are you talking like fifth place out of five people? No. Or like, like fifth out of 35, okay. fifth out of 40. Okay. And keep in mind, a couple of them were TV stars. Like big and, time. Yeah. Guys. And so it was, at that point, I realized like, okay, this wasn't just a fluke. Yeah. I'm good at this. Okay. So at that point, that barbecue island joint that I hung out around a lot, they asked if I wanted to work there. 10 bucks an hour, retail. But I mean, it's a big store. And um, so I said, yeah. And I sold my little half of C&D for 20,000 bucks. Sounds like that would have been like a prison for you, like sitting in a retail store. It honestly was awesome. It okay. was so good. Because, because Barbecue Island is as big as they are, every time there was competitions, all the bigwigs came in there. And I was kind of, I ended up being kind of okay. their, you know, their guy. And so I'm like, yeah, what do you, when you come into town, what do you need? So... I ended up making friends with all these world champion cooks that would come in and then they'd invite me to their classes. So I'd go to Oklahoma and go to class. I'd go to Texas, go to class. Um, and the, the shop ended up sponsoring me. So I was able to do more competitions where they paid my entry. They paid for meat. But granted, we were, we were poor as 
I'll get out at yeah. that point because that twenty grand didn't last very long. Yeah. And you know we've got two kids living in Arizona and and I'm working for ten bucks an hour, but once I once I put my mind to it, it's it's kind of so here's it's not the thing. Stop. So we're now at ten dollars an hour. We've sold our marketing. Right. The one thing that I've always I've always enjoyed watching how you've done it is how you get from one place to the next. Right. And <laughs> right. I mean that's been my favorite part of the story. I mean, how we go from 10 bucks an hour employee to we're going to go do a, I don't know what you call it, an internship yeah, when you're in Texas, apprenticeship. Right. I mean, how you go from there to then owning a restaurant Yeah. to, I mean, I want to talk about some of the cool things that literally just barbecue right. has done. But I think something that is important that, defines you bam bams the whole thing was the texas time oh like being authentic to texas bar because there's right i didn't know about this until you started but i mean people are passionate about their oh, barbecue yeah. you've got texas and memphis and it's I like mean, a religion all these different types of barbecue and so right one how did you get to texas and two like what did that do for you so Texas, I was, I was in the competition circuit and I went to a pretty big competition that used to happen was Lake Havasu. It was like 80 or 90 teams and they came from everywhere. Anyways, I was next door to a guy named John Lewis, um, scrawny kind of hipster looking dude. Next door. So you're like, you like, were cooking next to right, him. Like okay. Our cook sites were next to each other. Okay. Anyway, he had a little pig. I'm like, that's kind of messed up. Like, we're cooking a bunch of pig. and you He had a, a live pet, pig? A live, like, pet little... Like he had Wilbur. Like a little, yeah. A little, I think his name was Wilbur, actually. <laughs> so, I went over there. I love dogs. I, lo I mean, I like all pets, but I don't, I, except cats. But I went over there, saw the pig, hung out with him. Had no clue who he was. So, I mean, I was just being a good neighbor, and we kind of chatted through the night. He was from Austin big really cool smoker and he said that he had worked in the restaurant biz but he just wanted to try competition and anyways we got along great i ended up having a pretty good competition and then we saw each other again like two months later in grand junction colorado and i'm like john what's up man and um anyway same type of thing and then we end up in mesquite together now mesquite is like a really pivotal do you know the mesquite story no so well mesquite, i'm sure i do but mesquite doesn't it, we're not sitting here if that contest didn't happen okay so mesquite was interesting because this is after you met john mm -hmm. okay. so this would have been the third time that i had met john but beyond the john thing was the money thing so i went to mesquite with seven bucks in our bank account <laughs> seven dollars and of course i didn't tell ashley we're living in arizona she generally doesn't look at the bank account very often that's kind of my deal and so um i had sponsors to cover the trip cover the meat but i mean it's very very realistic to to not win any money i mean luckily i did pretty well but you know you could come up with 500 bucks yeah. you can come up with a few thousand but this was a big competition what's like an entrance fee for something like that um generally a team is a grand into into okay. one of those because between meat and entry okay. but then add gas and everything else and i mean it's a couple thousand bucks very few people make money doing it it's it's definitely a hobby but um now what's interesting about mesquite is the very first episode of Pitmasters that i watched was that competition oh really so it was kind of neat because just two years kinda later came full circle i was there and so um, I had won a grand championship like a month prior. That was my first one. And you know, that's a, that's a tough thing to do. But, um, she called me, our, our other brother-in-law, Trey, my cousin was with us, okay. was with me just to hang, you know, but she called me at about seven in the morning and seven in the morning is a really crucial time for, for a cook that does it by himself. Cause turn-ins are in the morning i've cooked all night yeah I'm, I'm right in the middle of everything anyways ashley's bawling ashley's crying ashley's bawling because she looked at the bank account oh no and she's like what are you doing there we have seven dollars like this barbecue thing's done like if if we don't have money by the time you get home like you've got to get back to c and d or we're going out to sell like 
anyway, you can imagine the stress that that adds, and that's not really great for when you're doing turn-ins. But fast forward a few hours, we're all in this huge complex for judging and or for them to announce the scores. And I took reserve grand championship, which paid seven grand, and I ended up. So I don't know what that means, reserve grand champion. So that's second overall for the like whole for entire everything. thing. Yep. So I, I, I heard my name in almost every category, one money in each category. Okay. But I took reserve grand champion, which was second overall. So that Had was, you ever done that before? Well, I'd won a grand championship. Okay. But, I mean, a grand championship at the one that I won compared to reserve, I mean, 35, 40 teams compared to 120 teams, okay. right? And way more money at this competition. Yeah. So I took reserve grand. And then with that, I locked down the Nevada State Barbecue Championship. So I took the state championship, too, because that accumulated with the other score. The Nevada State Championship. Yep. So that was another, like, three grand. And so, like, so how many competitions did you do in Nevada just to th- become? There was only three competitions okay. in Nevada that counted towards their state championship. Got it. And so I won grand champion at one, reserve grand champion at the other. I guess at that time there was only two. And so, anyway, it was at Casablanca Casino, and they handed me $10,000 in chips. In chips? In chips. Because 90% of the guys in that room were drunk. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, let's have them go cash it in. And you can imagine what most of them did. Yeah. Well, I called my wife. I was bawling. She was bawling. I'm like, we have $10,000. I mean, you didn't say we have eight thousand dollars. I almost <laughs> trust me. Of course, the cage is right on the other side of the blackjack tables, <laughs> which are my favorite. But I came home with ten thousand dollars and one hundred dollar bills in my hands, and and that was also the competition where I finally learned who John Lewis was. And John Lewis was the pit boss of Franklin Barbecue. And so anybody that's into barbecue knows that Franklin is the biggest. It is the most popular barbecue joint in America. I mean, it's a three hour line every day, and they're open just lunch, right? they sell out of meat after lunch. I mean, they generally sell out of meat before they even open. There's usually a guy in line where they put last man standing like a necklace around him. Like if you're after this guy, you're probably not going to eat. So, and it's, yeah. Okay. Every day, everybody else knew who he was that whole time. And because I didn't, it kind of goes back to our little, the book that we liked together, the third door. Yeah. Um, I never treated him like I was a fan. I always just treated him like I was a peer. You know? didn't know who he I was. I didn't know who he was. And so he liked that because everybody else kissed his butt. And so anyway, fast forward about three months. We moved back to Utah. Don't really know why. But Ashley just wanted to be close to family. And I get a phone call from John. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm leaving Franklin to go to this other pretty famous place to take over. And do you want to come learn the restaurant side? You can move into my house. I'll pay you 500 bucks a week, which... Working 90 hours a week doesn't equate to much. Yeah. But I'll teach you everything I need, uh, you know, everything you need to know about the restaurant side. And I ended up going down there for about six months. And that caused a whole other set of problems. But on the plus side, it taught me the whole restaurant side of of barbecue. So so that was crucial. I feel like everyone always has this point in their journey where call it what you want. Make it or break it. Burn the ships. Point of no return. Whatever it is. Would you say that Mesquite was that for you? Yeah, I'd say there's a few of them. I think like making the decision to sell the company, C and D. Yeah. Okay. For just twenty thousand bucks, like that was me saying I'm all in. Okay. Because I mean twenty grand, not that much money when you're married with two kids. Yeah. Um, but then, I would obviously Mesquite is probably even bigger than that. But then John Lewis. At the time, I didn't really understand what it would turn into. Okay. It's not like I had this hardcore goal to open a restaurant. I loved the competition side of things, but I just thought it would be a really neat experience. And if I ever did want to explore opening a restaurant, this wasn't, I mean, it's like, hey, Michael Jordan calls and says, I'll teach you basketball. Come live at my house. Yeah. You're going to go. Yeah. And so anyway, I went. But one of the best decisions I've ever made because, you know, this guy is, the, in my opinion, the best cook that there is. And so it was uh, it was tough on the marriage. We can get into that. But um, but it was absolutely worthwhile. And I had her support, but it definitely got Well, yeah, I mean, hard. six months gone. It's yeah. put a strain on things with no to money. say the least. Like yeah. with, with no money. You know, I'm sending everything home. 
I mean, but, an apprenticeship, it literally was an internship. I mean, it was like an unpaid internship, basically. In a sense, like when you really break down the amount of hours that I was working, I mean, I, I was either working 2 a.m. to 1 p.m. every day, or I was working 3 p.m. to 1 a.m. Okay. So there was just two of us cooking, just John and I. And, you know, down there, we're just running big log-fired pits. And so there's no leaving. You, you have to stay there and watch it all. And it, it's a ton of work, but it was so much fun. Okay. And so it was, uh, yeah, a lot of work, a lot of fun, learned a ton, but that's what kind of made me feel confident enough to, when I got back to Utah to, to open the restaurant. So get back to Utah. I remember, I think it was the day, but no, not the day before, but as we were getting ready to open the restaurant and we're scraping those yeah. stupid tiles, those just popped up on my Facebook memories the other day. I mean, we were by hand, yep. those ugly checkerboard, were they pink and white? Pink and white, like asbestos floor. Yeah. Horrible. Just chipping that up. That was up, the longest day. Trying to get the restaurant prepped right. to open. Ugh. And now, fast forward even further, we go from apprenticeship to opening the restaurant. And how in the world do we get from that point to feeding the saints? <laughs> I mean, you and I yeah. went and we fed the pelicans. Yep. You are friends with Chris Harrison with The Bachelor. Yeah. My wife was stoked to be able to meet Chris. <laughs> yeah, she she to still talks about it. I mean, That's right. how do you take barbecue and turn it into, oh, and let's not forget where you just were, the Masters. Oh, the Masters was fun. I mean, two years in a row, you were there <sighs> when Tiger won on Sunday. Yep. I mean, how do you turn barbecue? How do you turn, I'm going to loiter around at this restaurant in Arizona where they were like, who is this guy, right. to... I'm going to be cooking for whoever it was at the right. masters progressive leasing plug, plug, plug. Yeah. Um, so I think first and foremost, the product is number one, you know, you can be a great salesman, a great networker, but I feel like I make really, really good barbecue. Okay. And so, you know, no matter how much somebody likes you, if your food's not very good, you're not. They're not going to bring no. you out somewhere to cook. No, 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 no. They're going to hang right. out with you if they're around you. Right. But they're not going to bring you out. Right. It's not going to be some special deal where they pay extra money to bring you out and feed them. And so I think that that's number one. But number two, um, you know, I love people. Uh, I network well. And a lot of it's just kind of been referral. You know, I think so many of these things really started with BYU. Oh, that's the um, other thing. Yeah, so BYU. I don't know how many cool things that we've done with BYU. Right. So BYU football, when when Peter and Sarah came in, the first year we were open, and just said, hey, a few of the boys have come in. They're kind of raving about the place. You know, this is still when we're half the size we are now. Yeah. As far as, you know, tiny restaurant. My office was just in the kitchen. Like I had a. Yeah, I a, remember that. Yeah, just like a, just a like Costco a table. Just like a lifetime Costco yeah. table. And uh, he's like well, do you want to give a shot, you know, give it a shot, feeding us after a game? And, of course, we were like, yes. And that you was You say yes most, and figure it out after? Figure it out after. And, wow, did we figure it out. It was, that was one of the most stressful nights of my life, and we've made a lot of changes since then. But the two things I wanted was I wanted the food to be hot, and I wanted to make sure we didn't run out of food. And so ever since then, that relationship has grown a ton. And because of my friendships with the players and the coaches – and, you know, they're all kind of everywhere now. Um, that's kind of where some of the bigger connections have come from. So me feeding the Saints every month, that's Taysom. You know, we so became good friends. So that came from doing it through yeah, BYU. That we became good friends, you know, when he was here. And when he went out to the Saints, he wanted to buy smokers and do a little barbecue class for the other two quarterbacks, Drew Brees and Chase Daniels. Okay. And so he calls me and goes, hey, you want to come out for Christmas and bring a couple smokers and do a little barbecue class for the other quarterbacks? And I'm just like, I'll pay you to do that, of yeah. course. You're like, hold on, I get to be there with <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, I was like, it, anyway, it was nerve-wracking. So I went, and about a week before, I called him and I said, hey, any chance I could feed the team? I mean, I'm going to be out there. Yeah. And he asked the chef, and the chef was cool with it. And so I went out there. I found a smoker, some backwoods guy in Louisiana. And uh, it turned out that they already had a smoker at the facility. So that was all a waste. Okay. But 
I fed them. They beat the Falcons that week in a really like tough rivalry game. Superstition kicks kind in. Kind of superstition. They love the food. Taught the class. Had a had a really good time. You know, meeting those guys. So was it just so in the class it was you? Just me, Drew, Taysom, 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 Taysom and, and Drew. Chase. Yeah, just the four of you. Yeah, I and then o- Andrew Gross. He was there with okay. me. Okay, I can only imagine. I mean, you watch in the Drew quarter, Brees. In the you hear about class. Drew Brees. Yeah, the mindset. And you're in a Drew. little room. Yeah. You know, one of the best to ever do it. Scared. I, I mean, I was nervous. Yeah. And then Cam Jordan leaks in, like smells it. He comes in. Yeah. A bunch of the strength coaches come in and trainers. So by the end of the class, there's probably 30 people in the little room. So then I feed them the next day, and I, I ended up going back there three of the next five weeks. Back to New Orleans. Back to New Orleans to feed the team because they loved the food, and they kept winning. And so it just kind of kept going. And then the next year, the nutritionist called, and she's like, okay, just once a month, pick the game that you want, and you're going to come in and do one Friday a month, and we're doing it next season too. So that all happened because of hmm. all because of Taysom. But, you know, Taysom gets you in the door. But, you know, that was nerve-wracking because you really have to watch your P's and Q's there. You can't be a fan. You can't go out asking for autographs. Yep. Like, if somebody talks to you, you talk to them. We weren't allowed to watch practice. We weren't allowed to really leave the kitchen the first time, okay. the second time. And we've just always really been respectful of, of the space there. But but now it's to the point where we can go in the locker room. We can go watch practice. We I can mean, go in the training room. Like it's, it's The equipment like manager family. made you a jersey, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have like, I've got like a custom game jerseys. type jersey. Yeah, I got game you. jerseys from, let's see, Couple Taysom, Drew, Michael Thomas, um, Mark Ingram. Yeah, the Bam Bam's one that he made me, which yeah. was so awesome. And then, um, you know, some signed footballs and stuff like that. But, okay. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's been – in fact, one of their trainers was in the restaurant the other day. He was here visiting the national parks before here? camp started, just last week. Huh. And he came in. He's like, this was a scheduled part of the trip. We couldn't wait to see the restaurant finally. And, and so, yeah, and then I met Chris Harrison in Austin. You mentioned him. So yeah. I met him while I was working in Austin. Oh, really? And I just I, – he was like three back in line, and I just blurted out like, Chris Harrison? <laughs> he's like hey what's up man i love the bachelor i don't give a crap what anybody thinks i'm 400 pounds if anybody doesn't like it, i'll knock him out and then he ended up hanging out in the smoker with me for about an hour that first day and just wanted to watch me you know cook and mm-hmm. and then we've kind of stayed in touch ever since so he came to the restaurant last year when you know i called jen that means shut your text saying they're filming what they in park yeah, they're city filming or something? park city they're filming like, I want becca's, to come down to the becca's season that's yeah. right becca's season i know all about it <laughs> And so, uh, so yeah, so he came in and, and hung out and nicest guy. I mean, all these guys, it, it's something that's interesting is they're so nice. Like Drew, everyone knows that Drew's a nice person, but he's probably five times nicer than you, you even yeah. imagine. And Chris is the same way. So, so yeah, I mean, when I go there, I, I try to be unassuming. I don't expect anything. I just do my job. You know, I, I try to be nice to everybody and, and then things just kind of go from there. And so I believe that like when you break down success, there's usually three factors to it. I think there's skill, which you hit on kind of like the strength of your barbecue. There's the environment that you're in. I wouldn't say that your environment helped you per se living in Utah, being a smoker. Yeah. You know, I mean, being in Arizona by yourself, you know, I don't think that that was necessarily huge. But the third thing I think is mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think that actually mindset is probably the most important of those. And you've hit on it a lot without saying it that, I mean, you can't be a fan. You have to have that certain mindset that you're going to go in, you're going to do your job, and you're going to just treat these people like people. Right. Um, Well, I don't even know that that was a decided on mindset for me. I think it's just natural. Right. As much as that was just kind of how I was raised. And and so you just kind of have to like sit back. I mean, you're talking to the most elite people you know, you can only imagine, like, Drew Brees can't go out anywhere. No. Like, Taysom around here, it's getting to that point in New Orleans. Like, we used to go out every time I was out there, but now it's once in a while because oh, everyone knows him. he's blown up. But here, especially, yeah. it was it's like, like... It's like him and Jimmer. He could, yeah. Oh, Taysom they can't go anywhere Jimmer. here. Yeah. And so, it, it's... 
there's nothing they haven't heard. There's nothing, no, you know, there's nothing that somebody hasn't done to try to get an angle. Yep. So you just do your best to just sit back and kind of let things happen naturally. And, you know, you just, you, no expectations. Don't ask for anything. And you just got to be kind of like you, who you are. Right. And that's, uh, and, and that's always kind of paid off. And so, um, and, and I think it's because it's natural that people realize that it's not an act, you know, I'm not just acting this way to get you to like me or yeah. whatever. It's just, you're not acting when out. you say how much you love the bachelor. You truly love, I love the bachelor. The bachelor. Who doesn't like drama? <laughs> I like, I like the, uh, paradise I, or what is it? Par- why, why can't I think of it right now? Bachelor in paradise. Bachelor in paradise. I like that even. That's a train wreck. Of course and I you love do. it. I love it. And of course, I know there's probably been more couples come out of that than yeah. How about show. that? Hey, do we know this? This is now a bachelor. What's that term Interview. about friction? <laughs> oh, no. Like the more trials and fire and craziness there are. Yeah. So I have to ask, if you were to look back, all the people you've met, all the things you've done, which advice are you the most happy you didn't listen to? That's a really good question. Everyone always talks about, oh, I got the best advice from this person. Right. I think sometimes the best advice you get is the advice you don't listen to. So I would say that one of my greatest strengths, I'm trying to say this the most politically correct way. There's the way that I would naturally say it. So I really do have ADHD. I joke about it, but I I, I take it seriously. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, it's kind of one of my missions is to make it more, you know, give it more awareness. Um, because there's a lot of CEO, it's funny. There's a lot of successful CEOs and there's a lot of prisoners. <laughs> you have one of the two. It's like, there's no middle ground with ADHD. And I, luckily I was raised right. You know, I have my beliefs, right. And, um, but there's, there's a couple of things with ADHD that really help a, a CEO or a business owner. One is we have no executive function. Now, that means that we don't assess risk very well. Okay. So hence, I'm going to go to Mesquite with seven dollars in my bank account, <laughs> right. and I'm okay with it. I'm going to lie to my wife to buy a smoker. <laughs> I'm going to start a restaurant with an eighty percent failure rate. The whole time, I just had confidence. Like some it's, people call it's that irresponsible, work. just so you know. Well, right, and many people did, and I'll get to that. <laughs> and so, but the other thing is, we don't. We produce only about ten percent of the dopamine that everybody else does, that a neurotypical person does. So. You're using big words now. Right. Well, it's because I don't like to say normal person because I'm normal. Yeah. I may be fatter than you, but I'm still (laughs) normal. But because of that, we're always looking for a dopamine hit. Okay. And and in business, that can be good because we really chase. When we find something that we love, we kind of have blinders. And while that can be bad, it can also be very good. And in my, you know, in, in this case, it turned out really good. I never, ever got good grades. I hated school. I mean, I was the hide the report card kid. I graduated high school because I talked a teacher into it. Yeah. And I mean, so my whole life up till I was 18, I felt like a failure because that's what society grades, told you you were. That's what society said. And so it was kind of cool to have something that I excelled at and I knew I was good at it. And then being able to work with somebody as good as John really gives you confidence. And the best advice I didn't listen to, I hate to call my dad out, but, you know, he was very sweet about it, but he, he sat me down and he goes, do you really want to do this? Yeah. With the restaurant. Talking about like barbecue. Yep. Like, do you really want to open a restaurant? You know, he's looked into it. He has family in the business. Everyone's goes, scared of the food business. Well, right. And he goes, I, I really think it's a mistake. And, and it's funny, like, it just bounced off. Yeah. I'm just like, I appreciate it, Dad. It's sweet that you care. Yeah. But like, can you build that wall tomorrow, please? He's a contractor. And I just, I never, ever, it never, you know, I had already kind of made my mind up. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I had a few, a few people that had just said, don't do it. And, and it's funny looking back because I've, I've met so many people that have come to me for advice on opening restaurants, Okay, which I still, I still don't think I know what you give them the advice. Don't do it. No, never. Because <laughs> I'm a dreamer. I'm all about that. Like, yeah. you only live once, so try it. But at the same time, you know, the one thing that I did right was I did see a lot of people when they opened restaurants, they wanted everything to be perfect. 
Like I opened Bam Bams. This blows people away, but I opened Bam Bams for forty five thousand bucks. Yeah. And my ADHD cousin, I mean, I kind of skipped him earlier, and I and I shouldn't because this is a pivotal moment. But pivotal moment. But he's the one that called me. Is like, are you opening your restaurant? Yeah. I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I kind of want to. He's like, come over here, let's talk. And that night, I left with a forty five thousand dollar check. Just like that. Just like that. And so it's a lot of risk for him. Yeah. I mean, obviously, looking back. It worked out. It worked out. He got, you know, 50% of the business. I bought some of it out, you know, so now I own a little bit more. But um, in hindsight, it's like, dude, you got the deal of a lifetime. But he took a risk on me, and that means the world. And so, and he didn't even think twice, and he's just like, he believed in it and and has been a great partner. So it's, it, it, I always tell people the food comes first, customers, you know, second. Everyone says it should be customer first, but do you want me to put you ahead of the food? No, I want the food has to be good, right? I need some good brisket when I show up. And I think the other thing I'm great at is people. So I've always had, I I have found some great staff and they've stayed very loyal. I feel like I'm a good boss. Um, You know, I always reward them. I don't think any of them have ever had to ask for a raise. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I've had the same cook and GM for almost six years and we've been open six years. So they've been with me since, since the beginning. And so, you know, having those kind of, if it wasn't for them, I couldn't go out and do a lot of these cool things that that I get to go out and do. Um, but then I've just kind of used common sense as I had cash, we would blow a wall out and expand. And, um, you know, now we're adding a drive through, like I have failed, like we opened Spanish fork, closed Spanish fork two years later. Like it just didn't really, pan out down there but i don't care pride is another big killer too for sure i mean so i have a part of a coaching program and she talks about you never fail you fall forward you learn fall forward that is so great you know absolutely right i mean you you do learn from mistakes and that's you know i realize now that i love the location i'm in that's kind of all i ever wanted was just one really great location and that's not to say that down the road i won't sell out and try to you know go bigger, but only if I'm into it and only if I can come very close to duplicating what we have yeah. there now. So, but so, I want to maximize what we have there, you know, with the drive through, with delivery, with things like that. And so, so yeah, I'm one of those people though, that money is one thing. Of course I want to be comfortable, but I also don't really want, if I want to go golfing, bigger, I want bigger to go does golfing. not mean better. No, it like doesn't. I, for me, quality, what we all kind of refer to as quality of life is important. If I want to go golfing at one o'clock for two hours, like I want to be able to do that. Yeah. And so the more restaurants I open or the, the bigger I try to get, uh, the, the less, less time I have with my family, the less time I have to go off and do these cool things yep. that, that kind of just fall into my lap. And, and yeah, so, you can't go out to a week for the masters if no. you're chained right to running multiple locations at the restaurant absolutely so and that's and that's a big big deal for me and i think that there's nothing wrong with wanting money it's just you got to find what you want and have that be your driving thing and i realize now that if i worked for somebody else i would go insane yeah well everyone has their own motivating right factor they'll call it your purpose your why whatever it is um you said you said something about you know having failures we talked about that what's your favorite failure Favorite failure is being separated from my wife for six months. Well, that's a weird answer. I know it is. Okay. It was the biggest growth experience I've ever had. Okay. So do you want a little, the little background story to that? Yeah, this is something I don't, I mean, I, I mean, I know that I I, I get a little bit accused of being too real sometimes, but I think the world needs that. And so right before I opened the restaurant, Ashley, the barbecue all hit Mm -hmm. and you know, there was no money coming in. I was gone in Austin for a long time, yeah. and anyway, one night I came home, and she's just like, get out. I'm done. And I thought it was just like, okay, I'm going to go sleep at my grandma's for a few days. I remember this. Oh, yeah. I, I Yeah. It I'm... was... Whew. Thinking back on it, it's funny because it turned out good, but it, it was horrible. And, you know, yeah. I've been through bad divorces with my family, and, you know, that's a whole nother show, but... I think because of that past with my parents, like this one was a little more serious. Like it, it scared me to death. So anyways, I go to my grandma expecting to be there for the weekend and I ended up being there for six months. So 
she's up in Heber, right? So you were no, she's in Provo. I was down like River Bottoms, oh, my grandma right. and grandpa. And so that's right. The restaurant, you know, I told this. There's one other podcast that I kind of told the story in, but that first six months of the restaurant where we were just insanely busy. And I didn't really have Annie or Bryce yet, so I was cooking, managing, cutting. I was everything. Like, I didn't get to spend a single day with my kids, didn't get to sleep at my own house. Like, I was going through, like, the worst five months of my life, while on the flip side, going through kind of the most exciting five months of my life. Yeah. And so, but because of that, it, it never felt like an exciting time. The lights went off, and I was bawling in the back. Yeah. And it, but... It gave me, I worked so hard on myself during that time, not just working hard at the restaurant, but going home and spiritually, mentally, just trying to save this thing and just coming to terms with the fact that there's really only one person that I can persuade. How do I put this? I can't change Ashley's mind. So all I can do is work on me and just pray that God softens her up somehow. Yeah. And I was fully, after five months, it was, I was fully convinced that it was over. And, and I figured out how I could be happy without Ashley. Yeah. Um, you know, especially with the big man's help. But, um, but once that decision came, once I realized that I could make it on my own, that's kind of when the miracle happened and Ashley softened up and, and to, we figured it out you and, have to be okay with yourself almost first right you and have to so learn to stand on your feet and be by exactly yourself exactly right and that's well and god not by for, yourself for yeah. me for me god plays a huge role in my life and if it wasn't i that relationship needed to strengthen yeah i needed to grow up and uh you know i needed to feel that that risk or that uh that threat of losing. Well, my let's family. be honest. Without as big of an event, it probably wouldn't have happened. Right. If there would have been a fight here or there, but you're oh, still yeah. at home, you no, know what I mean. Especially with it, me, it, it wouldn't have happened. I need like a baseball bat in the yeah. face. Like I need a wall. Yeah. Every like great thing that's ever happened to me has been because I hit some horrible wall where I thought my yeah. life was going to end, and that was probably the single most important because it brought us closer together. It made me realize that I can. I've already, I had already at that point been through some pretty tough stuff, but it made me realize that there was nothing it's I couldn't a lot handle. To kind of gives you some clarity on what's For important sure. to you. For sure. And, and, you know, it made me feel great that I could handle the restaurant on my own and work that hard. And, and, uh, so yeah, as far as growth goes and the best, the best kind of failure that ever happened to me, as far as reward goes, that would be the one. Okay. So this is a weird question but I like it. You ask good questions. Thanks. Yeah. I'm impressed. So I like to, I like to measure p- people call it. How do you measure or define success? Mm-hmm. I like to think of it as impact. And the way I think of it is who's going to show up to my funeral and what are they going to say about me? Right. So for you, what do you want people to say about you at that time? Oh. I mean, if you think about it, cause ultimately what that is, is that's your legacy. Right. You know, it's like, what do you want to leave people like as you, as you come across people and as you meet them, I mean, how do you want them to remember you? I think for me, it is always going to be that if I ever needed something, I know I could always go to Cameron. Yeah. Um, whether it be charity, um, I am definitely giving to a fault and it's, you know, if you see my P and L at the end of the month, every month, it's like, you see the discount line, the family discount. Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) they are broken down, but you know, I, I, if something, if somebody's going through something tough, um, you know, whatever it is, it's, we don't ever obviously publicize it, even though I slightly am right now. I won't get specific obviously, but, but there are things that are more important than the business and it will always come back to you. So I always want to be, that's what I would want to be known for is that he'd give the shirt off his back for anybody, especially to those that are struggling or suffering or, or just going through something, you know, something hard. And so, so yeah, I think that would be, 
you know, family is a, is a huge one. You know, I always want to be known as a good dad and a good husband. Yeah. I think I have a long way to go for that, but I'm working on it. It's progress, right? It's Absolutely. Not progress, not perfection. Joy's in the journey, not the destination. <laughs> Amen. And so, but I do want people to look back and just, just know that I would do just about anything for anybody that, that I, that I could at least. Okay. So, yeah. Well, maybe we should, we kind of got a little serious right there. Yeah, dude, there's nothing wrong with serious. <laughs> we can get back and screw it off if you want. I said heck a bunch in this. That like that means I respect you. Oh. Because I say hell. Well, now you just said it. Well, I know, but I was trying to make a point. There you go. <laughs> it's been kind of fun, kind of reminiscing over the journey right. and kind of going back through stuff and remembering certain aspects of it. You know, there's probably a lot of stories that I'm missing. Um, and I think a lot of it is just because one, I'm I'm always very very hyper aware of not sounding like I'm bragging. Yeah, because I you know I think gratitude is that's probably something I should have talked about more. Like that is a huge deal to me. Yeah, you know being grateful. Um, it, it's there are so many people that I mean if it wasn't for those people I wouldn't be where I'm at. I wouldn't get to do the cool things that I get to do. It's like yeah my barbecues really good and i'm very proud of it i think that i'm better than most at it i am fun but there's just really good people and yeah. the fact that they want to include me and in some of their success and some of their spots is a I like i will always be grateful for it and sometimes it's kind of like you, you know what you said earlier like i have to kind of pinch myself like how the freak did i get to go yeah i mean when people find out i go feed the saints yeah every month it's like I still look at that and just go, how the crap is that still happening? Well, but I just need to know how I'm going to get out there. Yeah, <laughs> We'll figure it out. Okay. We'll get it okay. this, this year. Okay. This year we'll figure it out. I, I would think you'd rather go to the Masters. Why can't I do both? I want girls on bread. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know what? Maybe one weekend I just need to get a few people out there. And when I'm done feeding them, we bring everybody into the facility just for a quick fun. picture. And yeah. just just That'd be fun. Place. And maybe we're to that point where I could ask for that. But, but as far as other cool things, I mean, I think my whole life is a cool thing. It, it, if you look at my younger years to think based on kind of the reactions I got from teachers and parents, the fact that I have a beautiful wife, four kids, a, a, a nice house, a freaking swimming pool, which that still baffles my has, mind has that to was be kind of an accident year. thanks to your mother by the way yeah my real estate agent Susie yeah. hunter plug, Susie plug, plug. hunter plug 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 <laughs> she's also one of my favorite people to go to disneyland with oh that was a fun trip that's a whole other story i don't even think we've oh no we did we clarified we were brother-in-law so yeah we did yeah. so so yeah i just i i i it's fun to see nitro circus is another one we haven't talked about we actually haven't tucked on at all. Yeah. Like it, Maybe we'll have to do this again. Bike, street bike Tommy living in my house. We're going to have to do this barbecue, again. barbecue, opening a restaurant. We like, should talk to street bike Tommy. Hanging out with... He was just here yesterday. Was he really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we missed him. Like hanging out with Travis Pastrana in his house, getting to go in his razor and scaring, like almost peeing myself. You know, that, that's that been another cool thing. All just because you can cook food. All because I can cook food. And I'm fun. You yeah. are fun. I, you know, and that I would tell anybody to sell something. Yeah. Like if you're coming up, I, I can attribute a lot of one, the way that I was raised. I think I'm good with people, but going out and selling things was huge. And the mission. Yeah. You know, like going on a mission, getting rejected, selling alarms, getting rejected. You know, I was on the cover of the New York Times once for selling alarms. Did you know that? You were on the cover of me New York and, Times? Me and Andrew Gross. Do you not know that story? When you're in Chicago, when I was in Chicago, I do alarms. remember that. It's like from missions to it was it was I they were kind of making that. the connection between missionary work and selling things door to door. And they put like the two biggest dudes ever to knock a door right. together. Well, it's funny because the Mormons hated me for it. Yeah, I'm Mormon. I shouldn't say it like that. Like the Mormons. I'm I'm sorry. The Latter Day Saints. They didn't <laughs> like me because I put. I think that the mission is great training ground for business. Yeah. And they kind of looked at it like, we don't sell religion. I'm like, I didn't say we were selling religion. Yeah. It's great for business because you get rejected. Yeah. Like if you I can mean, go the out stuff, and knock on doors. Is, yeah, it's, 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 it's crucial. There's it's nothing better stuff. for training. And so, 
So I think that a lot of my sales experience has benefited me in so many other aspects in life. Oh, no, I didn't. There goes your drink. It was mostly ice. Okay. It's industrial carpet. We're good. We'll be fine. So, so yeah, I I think I would encourage most people to take some sort of sales job when they're younger. We're going to reward people that listen to this whole thing on us blabber back and forth. Okay. This is the last thing. What is the one thing I want someone to, every time I like to walk away with like an action item, right? Something you can do. What would you say has been the one, whether it's a book, a podcast, Tim Ferriss talks about like a purchase under a hundred dollars. Right. That has most impacted you in the last year that someone would be like, Oh, I'm going to go read that. Or I'm going to start doing that. Like, what would you say is one thing that you would put out there? I still have a long way to go. It's funny. Like I always have a personal thing to overcome. Like it's my weight now. Yeah. I got to figure that out, yeah. but I'm going to give you a plug right now. Okay. So the two, I love listening to books when I cook. Okay. You've given me two books. One very recently. The first one was, uh, why can't I think about it? The go-giver. My favorite book Amazing. of all time. So I, I would say the go giver and you know, that book really, it's funny. I'm getting goosebumps, right? Like that book really, really got to me because it, it made me feel like I do a lot of the things that it talks about in those yeah. books and I never question it because I know it'll always come back. Um, but then you, you told me about a book about a month ago that I had never heard of and I listened to it in one freaking day cause it was a big cook day Yeah, and it's, it's called the third door. It's the first time I've actually wanted to buy books and like give them to my employees and friends. Okay. And so, um, I think books are, I love podcasts. I love books. Um, and it's amazing what you can learn from them. So, you know, I would, I would encourage people, especially with audible, like there's really no excuse. A lot of us don't have time to sit and read or can't sit down and read like me. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'd say re- most recently the third door. Okay. Oh my gosh, I can't. It's so read. awesome. It's, it's amazing. And and you really Alex should Elliot, listen. You got to come on with us. We yeah. got to chat with you, please. Uh, that would be amazing. It, it. You need to listen to it though. Yes. Like I do want to hear read Alex the tell book. it. Right. I want to read the book now just to help retain more of yes. it. Yes. Hearing but him tell hearing the story. Him is so tell awesome. the story. Hearing the emotion. Hearing the excitement and the you know the sadness. I mean, it, it is such. It's not this like, it, it's a similar story to uh, so many others, yeah. but it's just, it's unique, very unique. Yeah. And I mean, if he's not ADHD, I would be floored yeah. because he just like threw everything away to chase this mission. And I mean, hacking prices, right? Sounds like something I would do if yes. I was motivated yes. and to w- do that. Breaking a Warren Buffett shareholder meeting. Uh, right. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's amazing. And then you can't forget to listen to the acknowledgements. That's something I didn't do that day. Yeah. And when I finally realized, cause it didn't say finished on audible and yeah. you know, I like to like add that to the stack. I'm oh like, yeah. Why isn't it in the stack? It's like a checkbox. Yeah. And so I'm like, Oh, I got to listen to the acknowledgements. And I, I'm not going to lie. I cried a little bit. Yep. Like, a couple tears came down when he was telling that story about his dad's funeral. And, yep. um, and it was just, and, I think like two days ago, like the two year anniversary or something. Really? Like it just, or, he was just talking about it on social media. I mean, what an, inc- you talk about networking and, and the fact that people out there want to help you if yes. you're a good person and you're trying hard, it's just like my barbecue story. Yep. There are people out there that want to help you and they're generally the most successful people. Yep. You know, I think a lot of people look at successful people as these greedy, arrogant jerks when in all reality, a, the, the go-giver most successful ones are the nicest. Are, are the kindest, most giving absolutely thing. And they want everybody to have what they have. And so, so yeah, I, I would think let's, let's say read the go giver. Okay. And read the third door. Sweet. Listen to the third door. Yeah. And I think it doesn't matter who you are. It's not a business book. It's a life book. Both of them. Right. Both of them are. Well, cool. Cam, go golfing more tomorrow. Quit saying no to me, Andrew. We'll go tomorrow. Yes. Okay. See, I'm too spontaneous. (laughs) <laughs> He's, you have a planner. I don't. So, okay. Yeah. Well, no, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Thanks, Cam. I think I, I was very impressed. Thanks. We're going to have some fun on this. Uh-
We are. Wait, what do you mean? What are you talking about? You and are I we doing this together. We are going to start talking. Are we to announcing people. that right now? We're going to start talking to people. I'm I'm Andrew's co-host. Yes, that's right. I wanted you to get to know Cam first. Yeah, and we're going to show needs to have a f- overweight, jovial, unorganized. <laughs> <laughs> Screw off. It makes everything more fun. Right, and I need to be reined in. So this is, we're It'll a work combination. That's why we're tight. We're gonna have some fun. We so. are gonna have some. Fun. All right, Cam. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, dude.